Praise the Lord. Think it not strange, this fiery trial that has come to try you as some strange thing has happened unto you. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that that you are able to bear. Amen. Who will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that you might be able to never have a problem or a pressure this is the part people don't like about that. They hear the escape part, and they don't listen to the rest of it. That you might be able to bear it. Not one amen, but I'm, I'm fishing for one. Let's see if the ameners are even working just to make sure they're not broken. Everybody say, A-man. Hallelujah. All right, they are working. I want to run that by you again. Because evidently that was something we just, you know, we don't want to miss this. Think it not strange, the fiery trial that has come to try you as some strange thing has happened unto you. I'm a Christian. I'm doing the right thing. I'm serving God. Why is this happening to me? Because you're a Christian. You're serving God and doing the right thing. Can you say, man, the devil isn't happy with you. No, he's not. You have the potential to plunder hell and populate heaven. He's not happy about that. Can you say amen? So think it not strange. In this world, I'm going to ask that question again. How many are still in this world? In this world, this fallen world, you as a believer shall have tribulation. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm biblical today. I'm tribulating. Amen. Tribulation is the Greek word thelpsis, and it means pressure and anguish. Pressure and anguish. We don't, I don't like pressure. I don't like anguish. But yet the Bible tells me that to be a follower of them through faith and patience inherit the promises. I just want to believe God and have the promise realized. I don't want to have to press I don't want to have to push. I don't want to have to seek. I don't want to have to commit myself that deeply. I just want to get my faith built to such a level, I just pray and it happens. But they didn't get it that way. It's those who, through faith and patience, and it doesn't mean taking a number and sitting down. The Greek word here is about perseverance. Seek him till he come, not seek him until you're done. Can you say, man, seek him until he come and reign righteousness. Once you set yourself to seek the Lord, you don't put a time limit. How long am I going to have to wait? Well, the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 10, you have need of patience. That after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And in that interim Things are going to occur. And the Bible said in that same chapter in the book of Hebrews, after you were illuminated, after the scales fell from your eyes, after you saw your lost condition and you saw the Savior who was reaching down and you took that opportunity to repent of your sin and give your heart to Christ, after you were illuminated, after you got right with God, you endured a great fight of afflictions and not only you but it was happening in your brethren 
You see, think it not strange that you're going through something, that I go through things. I'm glad that I can do more than preach these principles. I'm glad I go through. I, I wish I didn't have to. I wish I could just preach them to you and not have to model them. Amen. I mean, I wish I didn't have any trials. I wish my son wasn't hanging between death. And, and, and I wish I didn't get that kind of report. I wish I didn't have any pressure. Nothing to cause me any anguish. Jesus made a promise that you will never find in a promise box. We used to have the little, at the Christian bookstore, you'd get the little loaf of bread and it had cards in it and promises. I love to pull one out that says, My God shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory in Jesus Christ. Woo-wee! That's a good one. I pull another one out. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, for this is the heritage. Woo! Hallelujah. I loves it, Lord. I want some more. Amen. I'm going to pull me another one out. <laughs> Hallelujah. My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. I love that one. Man alive. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But there's another promise. All those that live godly shall suffer persecution. How did that get in there? Amen. How did that get in there? I don't want to suffer nothing. I want everybody to love me. <laughs> ain't going to happen. <laughs> fact is, some people ain't even going to like you, let alone love you. The fact is, some people are going to turn against you. Marvel not if the world hate you. It hated me before it Hated you. Amen. So I pulled out another one. <laughs> oh, man. I am the Lord that healeth thee. The Lord thy physician. My name is Jehovah Rapha. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I pull out another one. In my peace I give unto you. Not as the world give unto you. I'm liking it so far. In this world. This fallen world in your faulty body, I'm adding that. You shall have tribulation. But right behind that cart, thelpsis is the word. Say it with me, thelpsis. And it means anguish and pressure. And right behind it, though, there's a scripture from the Old Testament that says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But... The Lord delivereth him out of them, out of most of them. Most of the time you can count on God. Most of the time he will give you victory. No, out of them all. Can you say man? You see, whatever pressure, he wants you to be prepared. Because you live in a faulty body. We need his healing. We need his help. We live in, we, we need His help just overcoming the flesh itself and its desires. Amen. We live in a fallen world where there's sickness and there's disease and there's, there's, there's all, the, all the things that create anguish and pressure in our life. We can't escape that. But we have a faithful Father. We have a faithful Father. We have a faithful Father. But God is faithful. 
that delivers us out of them all. Hallelujah. I'm so grateful. Looking in hindsight, I'm so grateful for every every fiery trial, every test that we have faced, because it is it has become a testimony to the faithfulness of God. It's not a testimony to my faith in God, but His faithfulness to me. Amen. I wish I could say my faith had never wavered. I don't believe there's anyone that can say that and be honest about it. There's a difference between doubt and, and, and unbelief. Unbelief is that, that re, resistance to believe, that, that, that absolute decision not to trust God. Most of us trust the Lord. I love the honesty of the man that brought his son to the disciples to get him delivered from demon possession that all cast himself into the fire, tried to destroy himself. And the disciples couldn't do nothing about it. They hadn't come into their, their, their privilege and power as the followers of Jesus yet. Boy, when they got into it, they didn't even want to stop. Once they got a hold of it, and he got a hold of them, began to work through them. Amen. But at that time, they were powerless to do anything with that, to, that involved that kind of authority and that kind of power. And the man had saw them fail, and he was beginning to doubt that there was any hope for his son. And so he brought him directly to Jesus. And Jesus said, do you believe I'm able to do this? And he said, I believe, Lord, help thou my unbelief. Can you say amen? Help that doubting part of my life and help me to believe. And Jesus said, bring him to me. I'm going to tell you, he will meet you. He will come to you. He will verify his word in your life. Hallelujah. He will. He will. He's faithful. And I want to model that. I want you to know I go through trials being, I'm not some pet pastor. He doesn't coddle me. He loves me. But he doesn't shield me from the same kind of trial. My family is not supernaturally kept to the degree that, that I don't need God's divine intervention. And I don't need God's help. There's no one living in a bubble. In this world, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Everybody say, cheer up. up. Look over at somebody and say, cheer up. Don't do it in a mean way because, hey, you look back at them and tell them the same thing. Look look back at them and say, right back at you. Amen. I don't want to be like Vance Havner. Vance Havner, he's a great preacher. He's written many books. As he said, I preached myself out of many pulpits because he didn't pull any punches. He told it like it was, and that's the only way we need to tell it. But he said of his congregation, I've seen happier faces on iodine bottles, amen, than in my, in my congregation. The Bible said when the persecutions come, you need to cheer up. If you were of the world, the world would embrace you. The world would love its own. But you are not of this world. Can you say man? If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Amen. It identifies you as a true follower of Jesus. It marks you as a real deal believer. Can you say man? Not a tear among the wheat. Devil don't mess with hypocrites because they advertise that there's, there's nothing to this. They're good 
sales reps for his lies. But he doesn't want the church of Jesus Christ, the called out ones, to come out and stand true to God. Because we advertise a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That cannot be shaken. That will not be shaken. Amen. I started reading the book of Revelation as a young Christian. And I said, Lord, have mercy. Look what all is coming. It got so bad, I turned to the last chapter. I couldn't wait to see Amen. I, <laughs> Hallelujah. I went to the end of the book. And then I was able to read it, <laughs> knowing how it came out so it wasn't so scary anymore. We win, church. In spite of everything hell has and everything the devil does, we win. Hallelujah. When he stands, Job said, it looks like death has won. It looks like the devil has won. But he said, there's a day coming. There's a day coming. There's a day coming. I know that my Redeemer lives. The earliest revelation of Jesus is in the book of Job as far as his redemptive love and power. I don't know why that I lost my cattle, my kind, my lands, and my children. I don't know why I lost the respect of my brothers. I don't know why that I lost my health. But there's, there's, I don't know why I lost my wife's respect either. Who She was a big help, wasn't she? When she saw him so defeated, she come along and said, Why don't you curse God and die? Why don't you curse God and die? And isn't that exactly what the devil came to God and talked about there's a corridor between heaven and earth and angels go up and down we call it Jacob's ladder Jacob slept with his head on a stone you think your pillow's hard can you say amen he laid his head on a stone went into a deep sleep but God took him and showed him a vision and he said you know something sometimes it may feel like God is way up there and we're way down here but he said there's a corridor between heaven and earth and angels are coming and they're going coming and going coming and going new testament said angels are nothing more than ministering spirits that are sent from god to minister in behalf of those who are sanctified can you say man hallelujah you're not left down here jesus said i will not leave you comfortless the greek word is orphanos you are not orphaned children you have a father in heaven he is faithful to his children hey man he's given his angels charge over thee he's come to live within you jesus has come to abide within you the holy ghost has come to abide within you and that's why paul knowing all of this said whatever we're going to face before we even face it whatever battle that might ensue we are more than conquerors we got to get this just make it just get by somehow survive I'm, I'm not a survivor i'm not a survivor i'm not a survivor i am a victor there's a difference i don't want sympathy when i go through things i want victory hallelujah I serve a great king. I serve a mighty God. Amen. I don't know this little God with a little G. Amen. That sits aloof in his heaven and doesn't care for his people and doesn't hear us when we pray. I serve a big God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I serve a mighty king. I serve a God that can cause a dead liver to come alive. And I serve a God that can kill a cancer. Because I had it in my blood. 
And the doctor said, make him comfortable. I, I was kind of happy to hear what the doctor told my mom and daddy. I had no idea I was about to die. I'm seven going on eight or barely eight years old. I remember Dr. Paul Menthorne telling my mom and daddy, who had no money and no insurance, keep him comfortable. Don't let him overdo it. Because I was weak. I couldn't overdo it. He said, when it gets, and I didn't know what it was, when it gets in the last stages, there was no bone marrow transplant for me, no St. Jude's Hospital for me. We will get him on an emergency basis into the county hospital. And it used to be over, I think, 34th, 22nd Street. And it was an old building, and that's where you went if you just didn't have anywhere else to go. And I was supposed to go there not to get help or to get healed. I was going to go there so they could give me morphine or something similar so I could try to die a painless death. That was the sentence. That was the prognosis from Dr. Paul Minthorn. My mom and daddy knew something was wrong. When they began to treat me first, the doctor treated me with B12 shots and vitamins because he thought that I was just anemic, something. But as he looked deeper, he found the reason for the anemia was the cancer in my blood, the leukemia. My daddy, he didn't understand the priesthood of the believer. He didn't understand the privilege or the power of it. But he understood that there is a faithful God to call upon. And the church that we attended was a seven-day-a-week church. It wasn't a brill cream church. How many you young people don't know what I'm talking about? How many is old enough to remember brill cream? You didn't use it. You didn't, you know... <laughs> Nobody called you slick, did they, when you were growing Did he ever have a fro? Did he ever have a fro? Not that he know of. Okay, well, he's growing one now. He's going to make up for lost time. No, he's not. Does anybody remember Brill Cream? You do? Brill Cream. A little dab will do you. And it would, because it was greasy kid stuff, no doubt about it. And guess who still uses it? Big old... Josh, Josh has got a style, and he, he's, he has found, he heard me preach on this Brill Cream thing. And he went out and got him some Brill Cream and helps him keep his style. A young man using Brill Cream. A little dab will do you. The gals will all pursue you. They'll want to run their fingers through your hair. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> That's false advertising. It would just make their hands greasy. I'm not talking about a commercial. I'm talking about churches that are looking right now at their, their watch. Because a little dab will do you. Amen. Get it in. Get me there. Get it on and get me out so I can go and do the things that I enjoy. When we have a need for a Holy Ghost visitation like we've never needed it beginning in the church of Jesus Christ and then in our nation. We need a revival. We need a move of the Holy Spirit. We need a move of God. Our children need to encounter the presence of God. Not just a program to entertain them. When I went down into Haiti to help with the mission work there. 
I saw 10-year-olds praising Jesus with tears in their eyes. I saw 12-year-olds speaking in other tongues, and it wasn't the French Creole. I I saw them melt as they praised God, saying, Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I thought, Oh, my Lord in heaven, in the mouth of babes, praise is perfected. I don't see too many adults in church. I see them watch the choir. I see the preacher sit there like a knot on the log while everybody's worshiping, pondering his great message. Can you say, man, not involved at all in the worship? Amen. And I say, what, what, where, where's the worship? When, when, when does everybody get involved? When does people bring that gift and that offering, that priestly offering of praise, the calves of our lips to the Lord? When do we get out of this TV syndrome? Where's the joy in the adults? Supposed to know God and know how to worship God. Where's the worship from them? I came back to America and I said, Lord, we need a revival. These kids are putting us to shame. And our young people don't see it modeled by us. They think church is come and sit. And a lot of them think it's come and sit and pick apart what people don't think is right at the dinner table after the service. And they lose confidence in the leadership and in the church. And we wonder why they're in the world the moment they're out of high school and out of our house. You've got to be careful what you talk about at the table. Amen? Amen. The devil wants to kill the church. Render it impotent. If you can't just destroy it, render it impotent to where it has no relevance, no power. So the salt loses its savor. And that salt is not just to make people thirsty for God. It's beyond that. It's way beyond just trying to make someone thirsty. You are the salt of the earth. Before there was refrigeration... My grandma, back in, in, in my Meemaw, my grandma and Meemaw, and Meemaw, we went back to where she grew up. And believe it or not, just 20 years ago, where she grew up, there was still no electricity. It was so far back in the mountains and the hills, there was still no electricity. How, how, they used kerosene lamps. They didn't have any refrigeration. So they would go down to what they called the dairy there was a little spring about half a mile away, and they would take their milk from the cow and they'd put it down in that cool water, and that was their refrigerant. And I thought, Lord, have mercy. We're, we're so blessed. We're so blessed. We're so blessed. We're so blessed because we have everything we need to make us comfortable and convenient. But, but when they ate what they grew, and when I drank milk that hadn't had the cream skimmed off of it, that was so rich, and when butter was churned and, and it wasn't, you know, just added all the other stuff to preserve it or near butter or can't tell it's butter and, and, and you put it on a baked potato, you know, man, when they set that table, I thought, there ain't no restaurant. There's no, nobody you can buy this. They planted it. They grew it. They, 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 they cooked it. They ate it. And the meat, the meat, they had to salt it. 
to keep it from putrefying. They had to smoke it and salt it. Salt is a preservative to keep from putrefying. But if it loses its saltiness, it can't act as a preservative any longer. And what we're seeing today is a churchy nation with a culture that is darkened with sin. A culture that is going to hell in a handbasket with churches that are bigger than they've ever been. More Christians going to church than we've ever seen. And a world that's going to hell. Can you say amen? And other nations that we sent missionaries to praying for America to have a revival. Do you know what they said of the church in America? It's like a river a thousand miles long and one inch deep. A whole lot of religiosity, but not any real relevance or power or presence of God. Years ago, I went to the Capitol Hilton Hotel representing a pastor from Florida. They took one from each state. And I got to go to Washington, D.C. I got to eat in the Capitol Hilton. Uh, uh, and, and, and there was a man there by the name of Gregory Vins. Gregory Vins was a pastor in Russia. They told him, if we catch you preaching and baptizing, we're going to put you in prison for the rest of your life. Of course, he preached and baptized. And they put him in prison. And they put him in one of the worst prisons in Russia. In the cold, desolate place where people died from exposure. And they died from diseases. It was not only a life sentence, it was a death sentence. He said when he got in prison, he was speaking through an interpreter. And it was a UN interpreter from the United Nations that they had paid to interpret Russian to English. And we sat there with all these other preachers representing these states. And he said, through the interpreter, he began to tell his story. He said, my first two months... In, in the prison, in the gulag. He said, I thought, Lord, I've served you. I've been faithful to you. I've given my life to you. Why is this happening to me? I can't take care of my family, my children. I'm here. And, and, and people are dying here. And he said, Lord, I, I don't understand this. Well, who would? How can we comprehend what's going on? He said, he said, I, 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 I got so depressed. And he said, I was down on my knees pondering all of these things. And he said, suddenly, instead of seeing myself, I saw Jesus on the cross. Who could have come off of that cross at any time. But stayed on that cross so I could be forgiven. And I told the Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. If I pour out the last drop of my life in this gulag, I can trust you to take care of my family. But if I die in this gulag for preaching your gospel and baptizing believers, Lord, it's okay. What he didn't know was a church in Minnesota and several other churches, they had bound together. They got little bracelets to pray for Gregory Vins to intercede they had heard of his plight, and they began to intercede for him. Intercession is something the devil fears. 
because he knows the power of it. Amen. We're going to be talking more about the priesthood of the believer. Kings and priests unto God, a kingdom of priests. When you intercede, you move into a priestly ministry. And it is so powerful, the devil will stop at nothing. Amen. We, we, got, we, got, so, we got some intercessors around here. You know, if you, if you have a big problem, call 1-800. Philip and Nettie. <laughs> One eight hundred, Sister Ruth. Ruth has been such an intercessor over the years. You know, you start a prayer chain, you you call the prayer warriors, because they understand the power of prayer. We got preachers today that, according to statistics, spend a maximum of ten to fifteen minutes a week in prayer, because we're good at it. We're so good at it. We're well trained biblically, theologically. We know hermeneutics and homiletics. We know how to get the job done and be accurate in our preaching. But without the move of the Holy Spirit, without the presence of God to convict the human heart. Amen. Listen, only God can open those those sin-blinded eyes. No man can come to Christ because of the personality or the preaching of the preacher alone except my Father draw him. We should have never tried to do it without the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? He's indispensable. If you're saved today, He convicted you of sin. Hallelujah. You might have heard a message on hell and it bothered you, but you didn't come because of that message alone. It couldn't stand alone and get you to come. What brought you to Christ was the Father by the Spirit of God Himself. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. People sit in churches unconvicted and unconvinced of their sin. But when he comes, he will convince the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That's why Felix trembled when Paul preached. And he reasoned of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come. Hallelujah. It shook him and it ought to shake everybody today. But if the salt loses its savor, it's good for nothing but be thrown out on the dunghill. If the salt loses its saltiness, it cannot preserve. And we wring our hands and we wonder why. With Bible colleges, Robbie Zacharias is an apologist who goes to colleges and, and he argues with atheists. He stands for the faith and he does it in, a, in, a, in such a, a way that the most intelligent people, they still listen to him. But he says as he was visiting a Bible college, the students coming out to become tomorrow's pastors. What troubled him so deeply? They would come to him after he spoke at one of the graduations. And they would say, I'm going to be a pastor. Do you know what parts of the country have the best packages? The best financial packages for pastors? Where should I send my resumes? What part of the country, uh, what state maybe, or what place that you know of? And he said, I looked at them in disbelief. Have you, have you studied the Bible? 
You've come to Christ. You want to be a servant of the Lord. You want to lead others and help them. And your concern about your ministry is your ministerial financial package. That's the number one concern. Is it any wonder we don't have revival with folks like that in the pulpit today? Can you say amen? Hallelujah. He said it's not about. Have you ever prayed? Have you ever got down on your face before God and asked Him where you're supposed to be? Where He wants to send you? No, you might not pastor a mega church. But if you're in His will, that's what it's all about. That's the bottom line. Can you say amen? Being faithful. Being faithful. Being faithful. No, you, 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 may drive, you may drive a Ford Explorer instead of an Escalade. It's okay. You don't have to keep up with the Joneses. Who are the Joneses anyway? You're serving Jesus. Pastor, I looked up to He's such a spiritual man. He said God called him to Minnesota. To take a church in Minnesota. He took off for Minnesota. He's a Florida boy in Minnesota. Now, I'm a Florida boy in Bangor, Maine. And I'm going to tell you, I wasn't used to it. <laughs> it was cold in Maine. It wasn't like the cold here in Florida. It was cold in Maine. Minnesota, are you kidding me? Freezing. Below freezing. Wind chill factor below freezing freezing. He got up in Minnesota like to froze to death. God led him back to Florida. <laughs> I mean, it gets crazy after a while. And I thought, if God sent you there, get a coat. Put on some long johns. Amen. If God sent you to, how, would, how does God get missionaries to ever leave the comforts of home and go and put their life on the line when he can't even get a preacher to go to Minnesota? Somebody asked him, why did you come back? He didn't, he didn't lie. He didn't say God sent me back. He said it's too cold up there. Well, evidently, God didn't send him. And if God did, did send him, then he's just doing what is convenient and comfortable. <laughs> we need a revival. We need a revival. We need someone that will say, here am I, Lord. Send me. Hallelujah. So we can hear from God on Sunday and not just go to church. I want to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. I don't want to hear the three-point sermon, the illustration, and go home. I want to be challenged because I want to be changed. I want to stay close to God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah, because I'm watching preachers fall. The divorce rate, and if you're divorced, God, it's a forgivable thing, and God can restore, and He's doing that. But the tragedy is that the same rate of divorce of the world is now the statistic it's in the church it's the same that means if you marry a christian guy or a christian gal there's no guarantee that your marriage is going to fare any better when the rough times come and there's going to be rough places when i married my wife and we've been married this coming up 54 years say wow backwards wow 
That's an achievement in this culture. And it's just, you say, but you're a preacher. Well, hey, that, that, see, it's changed now. It's changed now. Two praying people used to be able to get the victory if the devil couldn't divide them. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. God gets involved. God wants to be involved. We, we're, we're wondering about the, the, the floral arrangement. We're wondering about the cake. We're wondering about the, the, all the other peripheral things. And God said, in a Christian life, I want to take two people and I want to make them one. Hallelujah. And I want them to stand in unity. The Bible said, husbands, be, find a way. To be in unity with your wife. See, here's where the wedge can be driven. Lest your prayers be hindered. Can you say, ma'am, so where's the target? It's between that husband and that wife. Pastor that had a church and it was touching so many people. He and his wife couldn't pray together. They drifted apart. But there was a lady in the church that would call him for prayer. And they clicked. This is a spiritual thing, you see. He's praying with this lady who isn't his wife. And she's praying with him, and they become prayer partners. And it wasn't long after they became, quote-unquote, prayer partners, that they became romantically partnered. And after a while, it broke his marriage and it broke his ministry, and it broke his church. So being in a pulpit, speaking under anointing, without that devotion to God and that healthy self-watch, it's not enough. A man has a television broadcast praying for miracles, got stopped on his way home from his studio, national evangelist, DUI, doing 90 in his Mercedes with an alcohol content over the limit. On television, God's man of faith and power in his personal life, compromised. And the reason I'm not divulging the name is because I just, I, it makes me sick to talk about it, but it's here and it's happening. And without a revival, it's going to continue to happen. In Ashbury, Kentucky, in a little college in Kentucky, there was a chapel service. They went into that chapel service. The Holy Ghost fell on those young people. Time for chapel service to be over, and no one came out of the chapel. Some people whose friends went to chapel, they were worried about them. They went in the chapel to see what was wrong with them. Spirit of God fell on them and they stayed in the chapel. Can you say amen? Ashbury, Kentucky. Little college in Ashbury that God showed up. Come on, it wasn't the routine. Something happened that day. Somebody had been praying. Somebody had been beseeching God. Somebody said a little dab is not enough because a little dab won't do you. Not in this culture. Not in this generation. We need a visitation from God. Can you say man? And somebody prayed for it. And when people pray like that, God listens. Hallelujah. 
And a revival broke out in that college. But it was years ago when people saw the need. And they interceded. And they prayed until God came. Hallelujah. 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 The devil is counting on the church not coming in to the fullness of our privilege and power that we have with God as priest and a kingdom of priests. I'm going to read you just some scriptures to hopefully make you want to come back next week. Revelation 1 and verse 6, Jesus said, speaking of Jesus, it said, And He hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He has made us kings and priests unto God. Listen, some people have moved into that intercessory ministry. And they've moved into it with authority and power. And a little boy had a mama. And she was an intercessor. And he had heard her pray and pray and pray. See things happen. He was eight years old. And he loved snakes. Black snakes. Rat snakes. Colorful snakes. He, she wouldn't let him have a poisonous snake. But, but he, was, he was just a... He was just loved reptiles. That was his pet thing. How anybody, I don't know. But he loved snakes. Some people love them. We were in, the, in, in a store, <laughs> a second-hand store, looking for the bargains and that we enjoy doing. And it's wise and it's prudent and it's profitable. But we were in there, and I saw this lady look like she had, you know, some kind of summertime. And she had this thing around her neck, and it looked like kind of like a, you know, first glance, you just think of some big, you know, some cowl thing around her neck. And it was her snake. She had brought a big old snake that was wrapped around her neck, hanging down, tail hanging down to here. And she'd walk around shopping as if nothing is wrong. And one, one of the employees came up and said, ma'am, I'm sorry, but you can't bring your pet in here we can't have pets unless it's a service animal and i've never seen a snake with one of those things hanging on it can you say man <laughs> seen it on some nice looking dogs and and she had named it something you know some sweet name like well i couldn't leave george in the car it's too hot she said, well, I don't care where you leave George, <laughs> but you can't keep him in here, can you say, man? Take him home. Put him under the air conditioner, but you can't bring him in here. A little eight-year-old boy, his mama's a prayer warrior, so he's going to pray. He's going to pray God, change his mama, but he don't have a lot of faith in his prayer. She started to walk out of his room. He jumped out of bed. He's going to pray this prayer in faith, believing boy he's going to pray she heard him start praying with such enthusiasm she eavesdropped just outside the door he said lord lord you know how much i love snakes he said lord lord i would love if you would give me and let me have a boa constrictor but lord i don't guess i can believe you for it 
because my mama's been praying a lot longer than I have. And she hates snakes. <laughs> Can you say amen? But at least he had a prayer life. At least he believed that he could talk to God and God would listen. He believed his mama had a more developed prayer life. <laughs> Amen. And in the end, she would win. But at least he was praying. When preachers only pray 15 minutes a week, because I can go online and get a well-crafted sermon, I do not need to depend on the Holy Spirit. It's like the preacher in one of those country churches with no air conditioning. They lifted the windows up. On a fall day to let the cool air come through. He had studied way into the wee hours. He had a perfect three-point sermon with a good illustration. He had a stack of his papers on the pulpit. And a big breeze came. Came through the church. Took them off the pulpit and out the window. And he looked at his congregation. He's just getting ready to preach. And said, well, there goes my notes. I guess I'll have to depend on the Holy Spirit. Probably the best service they had. It's all right to have notes, study to show thyself approved, but ultimately depend on the Holy Spirit. There's been many times I've come with a prepared message that I couldn't wait to preach. One of those messages where I knew if I got into what God had given me, I couldn't wait to hear what I was going to say next. Can you say amen? So anointed. I wanted to share that message, and I marked it. Just like I did today, I got a message here that made me want to shout while studying it. I mean, it's a shouting message. If you get into it, it'll get inside of you. I I thought this morning's the morning to bring it, and we've touched on it. But this is not the message today. And I welcome the Holy Spirit to come and change it. Because that means there's somebody here he's going to talk to. Amen. It's not going to be cut and dried. Listen to me carefully. In this world, you shall have tribulation. Be followers of them. See, we're not taught this area like we need to be. Who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Faith and what? Patience. Faith and what? Patience. In your patience and In both cases, it's perseverance. In your patience. Possess you your souls. How does patience develop? Through developing your faith to such a level, you snap your fingers and God jumps down and does it? No. How does patience develop? Perseverance develop. You have need of patience. My prayer, I was standing in a line and everybody was upset because somebody had bought something and there wasn't no price on it. And they sent somebody to find out what the price was. And some lady's ice cream is melting out of her buggy. Amen. (laughs) And there's some impatient people in that line. Amen. So I tried to, you know, make a little levity. And I turned to a lady and I said, my My prayer right now is, Lord, give me patience and hurry. That's not how patience develops. Everybody say, they that wait upon the Lord. Shall renew what? 
their strength. They will, get in, they, they will develop an endurance. Can you say amen? They will develop an endurance. After he endured, the Bible said he received the promise. You don't get endurance by taking a number and sitting down and saying, when God's ready, he'll move. No, you get endurance by continuing to seek the Lord no matter what. The word wait upon the Lord is the Hebrew word to bind by twisting. You're making a cord. You take three pieces and you begin to weave it together. It's about activity and not passivity. It's not sitting wondering why God doesn't jump down and do something. It is pursuing God. It is seeking God. Seek him till what? Till he come and rain righteousness on you. Not until you say that's enough or you give up on God. And you know what the devil wants? He wants you to become impatient. To not seek God if you don't see an immediate answer or if it don't come the way you want. He wants you to back off because he knows God is faithful if you don't. And ultimately his goal is not just keep you from the answer, but get you to lose confidence in God. He wants you to accuse God of unfaithfulness is what he, that's his real desire. Because then the only one that can deliver you from him is now someone you're accusing of not being faithful to you. And then you are vulnerable because you can't hold a shield of faith against fiery darts. Because there won't be faith in God. Listen to me. I've heard too many Christians gripe at God. I've seen too many Christians griping at God. Nothing could hurt the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt because God was leading them. Not even a dog could bark when they left. Until they murmured and accused God of unfaithfulness. Can he make a table? Did you know what happened? That They were in a snake-infested area. Thousands of snakes. There were millions of people and everybody got bit. There must have been thousands of snakes. And not one, nothing could touch them until they complained. And accused God of unfaithfulness. But when they did, everybody got bit. And they all would have died without intercession. God didn't want them dead. He wanted them to live. He didn't want them vulnerable to the enemy. He wanted them to be victors. His name was associated with them. He didn't want them to die in the wilderness, defeated by the devil. He wanted them to live in Canaan. Can you say, man, living on Canaan's side, Egypt behind. But when they murmured, it gave place to the devil, and the devil is a polyon. He's a destroyer. He's a thief. He's a robber. Hallelujah. I question God. Too much, probably. But ultimately, I declare he is faithful. I won't concede that. I won't concede that the devil is stronger than him. I won't blame the devil for my defeat. God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted 
when he's led away of his own lust and enticed. Lust, when it's conceived, when you give in to it, bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. You've got to take the bait. And the devil puts the most desirable bait on the end of his hook that you could ever imagine. And thank God for his forgiveness, his restoration, and his deliverance. But thank God for Christians who will grow up in Christ and learn how to defeat the devil. It begins with the Lordship of Jesus. Not just learning your authority over him, but God's authority over you. It doesn't begin with your authority over the devil. It begins with God's authority over you. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Everybody say, God's authority over me. Then and only then are you positioned to resist the devil. But then you resist the devil. What happens? What happens? He will flee. That word in the Greek is powerful. It means to run as in panic. Why? Because when you, you look to God and let Him be the Lord, let Christ be the Lord of your life, and you resist the devil who has tempted you, the Lord will stand up in your behalf, and when He does, the devil isn't just fighting you and your weak flesh anymore. He's fighting God, and there is no weakness in Him. He don't want to run, but He better run. Can you say amen? He don't want to leave, but he's going to leave. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus is mighty in battle when Jesus is the Lord of your life. Hallelujah. Ain't nothing wrong. We'll give you another chance. Almost had everybody. There's nothing wrong with. Hallelujah. When a man's ways please the Lord. He's even able to make his enemies be at peace with him. Does that mean they're going to suddenly love him and hug him? No. That means they're going to find out they can't fight him and win. So they better come to terms with him. Can you say, Oh, did you hear me? I said they find out right quick we can't fight him and win. So we better come to terms with him. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Well, the devil better come to terms with the church of Jesus Christ because this thing is not over yet. There may be Ichabod over a whole lot of churches, but not all of them. Can you say, man? There may be compromise in a lot of pulpits, but not all of them. When Saul is selling out, David is being prepared. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. What a message I wish I could preach. Hallelujah. If you keep coming, you'll hear it sometime. But this morning, here's what God is saying to us. After you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. And it was also happening in your brethren. You're not unique. It's not just you and everybody sailing on. No, it's everywhere and everybody. All those that live godly. Hallelujah. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. But you have need 
of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. The promise. For he that shall come will come. And he will not tarry. It's not the second coming, not the rapture. It's God manifesting the answer to the petition and the prayer and the need. It's coming. We used to sing it, the answer's on the way after we prayed. The answer's on the way, this I know. Jesus said it, I believe it, and it's so. We better change that. It's not so when you believe it. It's not so because you believe it. It's so because God said it. Can you say amen? Hallelujah for his word is forever settled in heaven. You can choose to believe it or you can choose not to believe it. But it's so. Whether you believe it or whether you don't believe it. It can help you. It can heal you. It can deliver you. Because it's settled as far as God is concerned. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I want to see revival more than I want to retire with some big edifice with my name on it. Hallelujah. Some big something people can see and say, look what Brother Venable built. The Venable Church of what's happening now. Can you say man? Look at that steeple. It's so high it interferes with satellites circling the earth. Amen. And you think how crazy that is? It's a pastor of a huge church in Miami. And when he built his church, he wanted to know the tallest steeple in Miami before he put his steeple up. And he told the architect, I want our steeple, our sphere, to be at least 10 foot above the biggest, the tallest steeple in Miami. Don't you know God is so impressed? Can't you just see God saying, wow, wow. That guy is so devoted. Everybody else has got a 14-foot steeple on top of their 60-foot building, but this guy, or 100-foot building, but this guy, oh, he's got a 10-foot taller steeple than anybody. Don't you know that makes him want to throw up? That's church. That's what it's become. Who can outdo the other? Who can outshow the other, outflash the other? There are people in this room used to have joy, used to have peace, and used to have power. Used to be a priest before God that could get in his presence, and you can't get in his presence without his presence getting in you. That means me manifesting. There are people here that need the fire rekindled, and you're not going to come get it by waiting on the Lord like we see waiting. It means to bind together by twisting. It meant to actively seek the Lord without ceasing. How did Peter get out of prison? In stocks, guarded, set for destruction the next day? Because prayer was made for him and everybody went to the Dairy Queen. Amen? Prayer was made for him and everybody went fishing. They offer, we prayed. If we keep praying, it's like we didn't pray. Don't buy into that nonsense. Ask and you shall receive. Do you know how that's the grammar of that in the Greek? Ask and keep on asking. Not as if he hadn't heard, but because you know he's listening. 
Seek and you shall find. In the grammar of the Greek, it's seek and keep on seeking. It's in the continual sense. See, we want the instant potato. You know what I used to do, and I got to hurry, which means nothing, but I'm going to, if I didn't, it'd be, it would be worse. So, listen, we used to go, everybody go get a potato from the house. Even poor folk had potatoes. Can you say amen? Better known as potatoes to up, uptown people. Amen. And we build a bonfire. But we put our potatoes right underneath the soil where the fire was. And that fire, we just talk and have fun. No belly start growling. That tater's under there cooking that potato. You say potato, I say potato. Amen. Anyway, you say tomato, I say tomato. Amen. <laughs> underneath the soil, that potato is cooking. And I have never eaten a potato anywhere. I mean, I'm glad. I microwave my potatoes. But they don't taste like that potato. They were slow baked under the soil. Boy, it was it had a it had a it had a taste and it had a texture and, and we were starved. And so it was so good. Amen. It was so good. You know what the church has become? We we want everything instant. We want to have instant answers. We want to have an instant relationship with God. We want to build our faith to a hyper level where we say it, He does it, and, we're a, and then we can go to the Dairy Queen. But the need, the Bible says, seek Him till He come. Because He that shall come will come. And will not tarry doesn't mean there won't be an, an interim between the time you pray and the answer. It means that in God's timing, in God's will, in God's purpose. And one of the things that He will do, not just give you an answer to prayer, He will develop you in patience so you can continue to pray and believe. Hallelujah. How long are you going to keep praying for this or that, Brother Venable? I'm going to pray till He comes. Not in the rapture, the second coming, till He manifests the answer. And I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give up. And when everything goes in reverse, which a lot of times it does, I'm not going to let that sway me from praying. Because that is the devil's desire, is to get those with the power and privilege of prayer not to use it. Because he knows the mighty mighty things that are going to occur call upon me Jeremiah 33 3 and I will show you mighty things which thou knowest not not he's going to give you a revelation it means a realization of answered prayer eye has not seen ear has not heard it's never entered into the heart of man what the Lord hath prepared for them that love him but he hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Psalm fifty fifteen, And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and thou shalt glorify me. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If my people which are called by my name, we're the people with the privilege. We're the people with the access. We're the people with the power. And we're the people that are the target of the enemy. Because if we get a hold of this and we bear down on it, he's coming with healing in his wings. Can you say, man, he's coming with another revival for America.
He's coming to save your kids and mine. He's coming to heal once again and to deliver and to set free. Praise God. Hallelujah. Be followers of them who get their faith built to a hyper level and demand answers. What happens when there's an interim? What happens when it looks like it's not going to happen? Do you give up on God? So many disillusioned people got into that hyper-faith movement, and they're actually accusing God. They're, they're, they're saying, why didn't you do that? I was taught how to do it, and I did it, and you didn't do it. You didn't follow through. And now the devil not only has someone in doubt and unbelief, he has them now accusing God of unfaithfulness. Honey, if I lose victory, don't you blame the devil. It's on me. The devil didn't make me do nothing. He don't have that kind of authority, and he shouldn't have that kind of influence in the life of a Christian. So as we close today, someone here, God changed this thing. We were just going straight to the priestly privilege and power. But somebody here needs patience. You need to get back in the prayer closet. You need to take some time off of Facebook and spend some time in faith book. Because faith comes by hearing the word of God. We got the time for the other stuff. We need to make some time for the Lord and his work and his will. Hallelujah. 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 Shela Maroshala Masitiana. Would you stand to your feet today? How many will acknowledge a need for patience? Well, the good news is God wants to develop us in us so we can inherit the promises. And here's the bad news to your flesh, which the flesh don't like to hear, but we're supposed to crucify it, so overrule it, override it. Tribulation is the only way to develop patience. Be of good cheer. The pressure and anguish you've been under is developing you in patience if you keep trusting God. Tribulation worketh patience. Patience experience. If you hang in with God and keep trusting Him, you're going to see Him come through. And it's going to be part of your... That test is going to turn to a testimony of God's faithfulness. Even when you were weak and you might have wavered, but God didn't. He's not weak and he don't waver. Praise God. Hallelujah. The answer's coming. If you will hang in there and keep on trusting God and seeking God and not give up and not go back and not look back, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Brother Venable, I've been praying for a long time. Oh, how long? How much longer do I have to pray? Till he comes. And till he comes and manifests it. Is it worth pray is it worth pursuing him for it? 
Are your kids worth it? Don't give up on them. Crazy, hard-headed kids getting captured by the culture, they can still be set free by the power of God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It's not too late. God is still on the throne. Hallelujah. 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 Don't throw away your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. They that wait upon the Lord, that persevere, that pursue Him, in spite of all of the backlash and backfire, they that keep on keeping on believing God shall renew their strength. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. In fact, they will mount up with wings as eagles. Can you say amen? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 Hang on in there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for for a dead liver that started working. I thank you for for a bloodstream that 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 when they when they took me back to the doctor, he saw the 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 change in me. He saw the energy in me. He saw something was different. They ran the test again, looking for the cancer cells in my blood and couldn't find them. Hallelujah. You know what he wrote down on my report? Spontaneous. Because he hadn't done anything. Spontaneous remission. No, he didn't give God credit, but we all know who did it. Before, before prayer, there was a guy from Texas, evangelist from Texas, Freddie Gray was his name. My mama grabbed me by the hand. She wasn't even a Christian yet, but my daddy had brought me to that church that stayed on fire. <laughs> she took me down, and we walked down the aisle. We stood in a long line, and we got about halfway to the front where this country boy Evangelist was praying over people with a Holy Ghost anointing on him. And he was praying over people with the authority of the name of Jesus. And my mama stood with me because this is our only hope. There's no hope from the doctors for me, but there was hope in God for me. Amen. We stood in that line. We got closer and closer, and I encountered the presence of God for the first time in my life as a child dying of leukemia. I felt something kind of tingly coming up my legs. Closer I got, it kept coming up and coming up and coming up. By the time I stood in front of that evangelist, I was tingling all over. It's like the hair on my arms. was It's like static electricity that was made out of liquid honey. Can you say, man? It was, it was love and it was power all blended together. And I felt love and power like I've never felt in my life. She brought me before that man and she, she said, he said, what is your what is your need? And then God dropped a word of knowledge into his heart. Hallelujah. She said, he's been diagnosed with, she got the loo of leukemia. And he overrode her. And he said, I rebuke cancer in this child's blood in the name of Jesus. I curse it and I command it to leave his bloodstream in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know you're waiting to hear if I made it. (laughs) Hallelujah. From that day to this day, I said from that day without a treatment, 
without a transplant, without chemotherapy, without anything. God did it and it was done and the doctor saw it happen and said it was there and it's gone. Spontaneous. When's the last time have you heard of cancer? Just saying, I'm out of here. I'm done. I can't. No, it don't do that. It tries to kill you. But when Jesus' name, there's a name above every name that is named of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things beneath the earth, that at the sound of his name, even cancer cells have to bow. Woo! Why are you so happy? Because I read the obituary this morning, and I wasn't in there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Got my three score and ten and going on for chasing Brother Taylor. Woo! I came up in the fire of Holy Ghost revival. I can't hardly stand the deadness that we call church today. The defeat, the depression, Christians being defrauded. Of what God has purposed, promised, and provided them. I don't want to see that in anybody. I've seen enough defeat. I want to see victorious families, marriages that outlast the devil's wedges. I didn't say wedgie. I said wedges. Come on. He's not just trying to aggravate you. He's trying to separate you. The devil gave me one yesterday. No, it's not that. He wants to divide you. He wants to conquer you. Stay united. Pray together. Believe God together. Pray for your kids together. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming soon. I love songs that were initially written under a prophetic anointing. Not just a song to soothe or a song to entertain or a song to stimulate the emotions but a song that is recognizing that in the last days saith God and we're in them in fact we're in the last of the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh it began at Pentecost hallelujah but it's continued and it's here today These are the days of Elijah. Before that great and terrible day of the Lord, Malachi says, I'm going to send my servant Elijah, someone in the spirit and power. They thought Jesus was Elijah. They thought John the Baptist was Elijah and asked him, Are you Elijah? He said, No, I'm not. But there is an anointing and there is a message of repentance and restoration. And it begins at the house of God where all judgment begins. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And he said, if this message is received, I'm going to turn the hearts of the children back to their fathers. And the hearts of the fathers back to their children. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. This is not going to just be Uncle Tom serving God and his grand, his, his nephew not. This is going to bring his nephew in. This is going to be Mama serving God and Daddy not. Mama and Daddy are going to serve God. This is not going to be Mama and Daddy serving God, but the kids going nuts. 
the kids are going to be brought in. This is a, a gathering in just before the coming of the Lord. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Let's, let's confirm that and sing this song together before we go home. Hallelujah. These are the days of Elijah.